You are listening to a Victory Elabong podcast. Why is it important to know where our spiritual conflicts happen? Unlock the truth of this crucial question in this audio message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. All right, we're continuing with our series Fight. And uh, last week we talked about uh, the origin of conflict. And this is the word we're looking at conflict. Everybody say conflict. Just to give a, a short recap, uh, last week we talked about the origin or the source or the cause of conflict. That it all happened in the garden. There's this slithery snake uh, who was taken over by Satan and tempted the first couple uh, in the garden. Okay? And so uh, we, we know that from then on there was conflict that's happening all around us. We're going to be looking at uh, location today. Where does conflict happen? And next week, we're going to look at weapons. So today, we're going to be focusing on location. Everybody say location. Location. Have you ever wondered where conflict starts? Or where does it happen? Pastor, yeah, it always happens in my house. No, I'm not talking about the conflict between you and your wife, okay? Uh, I'm talking about something that's, you know, deep within us. There's a uh, facility or there's a place in our being where conflict Start. I mean, where, where conflict happens, and it's in our mind. How many of you have a mind uh, that you normally use? Can you please raise your hand? Okay. Uh, some people have slightly used minds, right? But uh, nonetheless, we all have minds, right? We all have the ability to think. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, use it from time to time. All right, use it. So we have the ability to think. That's the mind. Unfortunately, Satan wants to take control of our minds. Okay? I'm not talking about an abduction here. I'm not talking about UFO or extraterrestrial uh, thing that you know, we're in, you're taken over by an alien. But the reality is our enemy wants to take control of these recesses in our being called the mind. That's why this is where we experience fear, confusion, uh, temptations, condemnation. Sometimes demonic possession or even oppression, lies, doubt. How many of you have experienced some of these? How many of you have experienced demonic possession? <laughs> we'll cast it out right now in Jesus' name. So, you know, that's where it happens. The mind is where it all uh, transpires. And, you know, how many of you know that though the enemy is a powerful being, he is not all-powerful? Only Jesus is all-powerful. Amen. Amen. He cannot read your minds, by the way. Jesus, God, is omniscient. He knows what we're thinking right now. He knows what you're going through right now. He knows what's in your mind right now. He knows your anxiety. He knows your concerns. He knows your love life. He knows everything that's happening in your mind. However, the enemy is not omniscient like God. He doesn't know everything that's happening in our mind, but He can lodge things in our mind. That's the power of the enemy. He can actually put in seeds of doubt and lies and condemnation. When you wake up in the morning, even though you're born again, sometimes you'd wake up you know, feeling unworthy because of something that you've done in the past. And the enemy would say to you, I know what you did last summer. And here you are, you're, you're trying to erase it, and the, the enemy keeps on putting it back to you, putting it back to you. No, you're unworthy. You cannot come to church. You cannot have friends. You're the worst friend. You know, you're the worst husband. You're the worst. You know, you, you know, it's all lies. 
And it all starts in the garden when the enemy basically put in a question of doubt with the word of God, with Eve. And we know that statement last week when he said, did God really say? And he's out there to question the word of God in our life. He's out there to question the promises of God in your life. How many of you know that God destined us to be blessed? How many of you know that God destined you to be healthy? By His stripes and by His wounds, we are healed. How many of you, uh, you know, that, that uh, God destined for you and me to have a great relationship with friends and family, to be healed of all the, you know, emotional problems, but yet the enemy would always want to say to us, did God really say that? He would not directly tempt you. You know, the enemy is not, you know, he's a wise, ancient foe. He knows the nature of man. He's been around longer than you and I live. He, in fact, he knows the word. When it was written, he's observing. And he uses the same word to twist the word so that he can cast doubts in some of the promises that we have. And we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about our mind. We're going to talk about our beautiful mind. And so I'd like to invite everyone to stand with me. We're going to be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. And then we're going to take an example from the life of Christ to study what are the three forms of temptations. How many of you have ever been tempted in your life? Can you please raise your hand? It's all of us, right? And we're going to dissect, we're going to, we're going to study the strategy of the enemy to not be you know, to, to, be, to be aware of the enemy's schemes. And so, Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what that Spirit desires. Verse 6, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind. Are you getting the drift? Are you getting what the enemy is trying to do here? The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Nor can it do so. Verse 8, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Yet you, look at the person beside you and tell that person, you... However, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by what? By the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And how many of you are born again? Please raise your hand. How many of you know that the Spirit of God lives in us? Okay? And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. It's plain and simple. It's, you know, it's, it's black and white. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for our time this afternoon. Lord, help me to communicate your word, God. Lord, I pray, God, for your anointing. I pray, God, for the anointing that breaks the yoke. I pray for your Holy Spirit to, to be with us, to teach us, to illuminate this word. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you will take this word and plant it deep in our hearts. Open up our minds today and realize how powerful this arena is in the winning of the victory that Christ has for us on the cross. This we ask in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. You may all be seated. Come on, give the Lord a hand. 
the mind. You know, when you talk about the location, you know, in business, they always say that one of the most important things that we need to have is a good location. And sometimes, you know, you, you, I look at, for example, I look at uh, the new uh, establishments along Commerce Avenue. And how many of you know that Commerce has now be, been busy with, you know, just traffic and all, and there's just, just new establishments there, there's a new McDonald's right in, in front of Akasha. How many of you are excited for McDonald's? How many of you are tired of McDonald's? And then there's Jollibee, and then there's Project Pie, okay? And what they're saying is the key to a good business is location, location, location. And the enemy knows this, that in order for you to win, in fact, you study history and you study the greatest conquerors, whether it's Alexander the Great, whether it's Genghis Khan, whether it's uh, Napoleon. It's all about territory. It's all about gaining location. And I believe that the enemy also knows this. And in order for him to win, he wanted to control a certain location in our being for his use. And that is called the mind. Okay, And that's why I believe that when you talk about fight, when you talk about the battle that we have, the battle really is in the mind. In fact, if you win the battle of the mind, you win half the battle already. And, you know, you probably have heard of this uh, statement, how you think affects what you believe. And what you believe affects how you behave. Isn't that true? It all starts here in the mind. How many of you think that you are handsome and beautiful? Please raise your hand. Now, if you think that way, it somehow affects what you believe, right? If you believe that you're handsome, you know, you don't need to help yourself trying to make, uh, you know, a, uh, what a papansin, you know, but you're, you're confident for the fact that I'm handsome. You look at yourself in the mirror and, you know, somehow that, that is a statement of belief, so to speak. You know, you know I, I, I know I am handsome and I know that people like me. And so I don't have to really dress up that much all the time with fancy jewelry or whatever. So on and so forth. Somehow what you think affects what you believe and what you believe affects how you behave. And, you know, going back to the scripture, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mindset on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. I asked earlier how many of us are born again. I saw a lot of people raising up their hands. You know, let me just break it down to us today. We are tripartite beings. We are human beings composed of three parts. We have what we call a body. How many of you have a body? Can you please raise your hand? You did not leave it at home. Okay? You brought it here with you in church. Please raise your hand. Okay? All of us have a body, right? You're not here sitting down listening to the sermon as a spirit. You brought your body. You checked in your body at the door, walked in this room, and sat down on that chair. Right? We all have a body. Look at the person beside you. Tap the person. Just check on the pulse or whatever if, if that body is still working. Second part of the human being is the soul realm. 
This is the mind, the will, the emotions. How many of you have such? You have a mind. How many of you have a mind? Praise God. Okay? How many of you have a will? You came here today because you, it's your will. You will say, I will go to church. I want to go to church. I want to serve God. You're here. The reason why nobody dragged you in here, hope not, and you're sitting down here, you're listening to the sermon, because you, you, by your will, you decided, I'm going to be in church, I'm going to listen to the sermon, and I'm going to have my life changed. And you have an emotion. How many of you have an emotion? How many of you sometimes have your emotions like a roller coaster? Sometimes happy, sometimes sad, sometimes mad, sometimes glad, sometimes, you know, it's all over the place. So it's the soul realm that has our mind, our will, and our emotion. Are you getting it this afternoon? This is our facility for thinking. This is our facility for reasoning. That's our soul realm. And of course, we have our spirit. How many of you have a spirit? Okay, your spirit is still here on earth, right? You're not in heaven yet, okay? When you got saved, what got saved and what got born again is the spirit that you have. Okay, I'm going to be slow here, okay? So that we're not going to be confused. What was born again is the spirit that we have. Our spirit used to be dead. Because the wages of sin is death. And how many were sinners? Including me, right? We're all sinners. Because of sin, our spirit died. But when we gave our heart to the Lord, when we accepted the finished work of Christ on the cross, what happened there? He actually breathed again a fresh spirit of God in us, and our spirits became alive again. Everybody say alive. Alert. Awake. Enthusiastic. Okay? Anyway, uh, we're alive. Our spirit is now born again. We have a living fellowship, a living relationship with God. When you say your spirit is dead, it means that you don't have consciousness of God and you are separate from the presence of God. But now because of what He did on the cross and after you putting your faith in the finished work, you are born again. Okay? Now, we have a problem. Because our spirit is outnumbered. Our spirit is born again, and our soul is not born again. And our body is definitely not born again. Because our soul, when you got saved, how many of you still remember your childhood memories? When you got saved, you still have the same, uh, you know, you have the same preferences. If you liked, uh, for example, if you liked a uh, burger uh, before you got saved, suddenly you didn't have a desire for fish all the time. It's still burgers, okay? Because, you know, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So the newness came with the spirit, but the soul realm, our mind, our will, and our emotion this is what's being sanctified on a daily basis. Are we here this afternoon? And this is where the battle is. Now, the body is going to be glorified someday. Okay? 
And, you know, we're, this is, uh, you know, it, it says in Romans that this is the longing that we have, the groaning and the longing that we have as children of God, waiting for the redemption of our bodies to be glorified. That someday when we die, we will be raised up in the newness of life with glorified bodies. Look at the person beside you. You will not recognize that body anymore. Right? Because he will have a six-pack abs. Ahu! Diba? Hmm. That's just my theory. Glorified bodies. Now the battle is right here with our minds. And there's a tendency sometimes, you know, our mind is tricky. You know, even after we got saved, probably you still want to be lazy. You know, you still have a tendency, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. How many of you feel that feeling? Don't raise your hand. I, you know, I, I feel lazy. I, you know, I just want to hang out. I want to watch all the nice movies. After Metro Manila Film Fest, I want to watch all the English films. You know, I want to just play Dota the whole day or play video games or, you know, be in Facebook and so on and so forth. No, that's the mind telling us what to do. You know, sometimes your mind will tell you, you know, I want to be fat. I just want to eat. I just want to, I don't want to diet. I don't want to exercise. You know, I just want to sleep around the whole day. How many of you sometimes your mind tells you that? Ako lang bayon. And so on and so forth. Sometimes your mind will tell you to compromise. Sometimes your mind will tell you to look at the images that you see uh, on, on cable television or maybe in the internet. That's the battle of the mind. Okay? Martin Luther said, You cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. Choo, choo, choo. They can fly as long as they want, as long as you don't let them land on your ne- or neck, on your head, and build a nest there. Because that's where sin comes in. And how many of you know that temptation is real and it's normal? It happens every day. Right? Some of you are tempted right now to sleep. Some of you are tempted to, uh, you know, go ahead and check out early so that you can reserve your nice restaurant for an early dinner. It's just temptation. Okay, some of you are tempted... To, uh, to check out, you know, the whatever, okay? To check out your, your old classmate on Facebook. You know, and, and somehow, you know, when you talk about temptation, and as I have been a pastor for many years and I've done counseling, you know, I, we don't just wake up, you know, in the middle of a marital problem and say, Pastor, it's an accident, you know, pastor, I committed adultery. It's an accident. Ah, okay, it's an accident. Yeah, pastor, because I just woke up with this woman. It's an accident. Uh, let me just, you know, review it, okay? Before you woke up, you slept first, right? And before you slept, you did something first, right? And before you did something, you planned on that. And before you planned on that, you contacted this girl. And before you contacted this girl, you had a desire in your heart. 
Because before that happened, maybe there was a fight between you and your wife. And before this happened, maybe there's some problem with finances. And before this happened, there's some problem with your children. So on and so forth. It did not just happen as an accident. Tahimika. Because sometimes we can justify and say, the devil made me do it. Ah, ganun pala. Guess what? Sometimes the devil does not have to help us. We just do it. Before I got saved, I was not tempted. I don't feel any temptation. I just did it. I just went on and sinned against God. That was, that was the old self. But now that we're born again, guess what? Now there's a conviction that happens in our life. When there's a temptation, somehow the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, uh, 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 uh. How many of you sense that? You know, now that you are saved, you know, the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, He constantly reminds us, Oops! Close your eyes. And how many of you actually closed your eyes? In a movie with lewd scenes. Let me just talk about that for a moment. You know, we were, you know, me and Shirley would, we love watching movies. And we would, you know, sometimes maybe some of you would see us on our uh, day off on Mondays in Alabang Town Center uh, or in a, uh, another movie house watching movies. And, you know, there were times that when we would watch a movie that when we would see lewd acts in the film, and we would say, is this worth it? Is this worth viewing? Is this worth my money? You know, staying here and, you know, allowing all this garbage to come into my mind. And there were several occasions we actually stood up and left that movie. Pastor, sayang yung binayad mo. Mas sayang tong utak ko. I want to preserve this utak. I want to preserve my mind. I don't want to have a disturbed mind. You know, there were times when we were watching a movie, it was so violent, I couldn't even look at it. I had to go out and say, wow, my mind was bothered after that. Now there's this New movie. When I saw the trailer, I saw it was a nice movie. But just at the beginning of the movie, I was bothered by it. And I said, it's... I got choked with all the scenes. We said, we, we, we'd stop this. You know, we have to discern how the enemy works. And many times, the reason why there are Grave sins of adultery or, uh, you know, uh, uh, murder or robbery. It's not because it happened overnight. It happened because of small things that we've planted in our mind. You know, as our observation as pastors, we realize that, you know, when you talk about people who encounter the problem of marital infidelity... You know, 80% of the time, the people had fornication. And about another 80% of the time, 
the people were involved in pornography. Now, I'm not telling you that if you've had that problem in the past, that you're bound to have a failed marriage. I'm not saying that. But I'm just observing through stats that somehow, you know, these things add up. And we're talking about the mind here. You know, you can actually keep the birds from flying and putting a nest on your head. Like, for example, how does that work? You know, if you wake up in the morning and you're married, for example, and your, your wife went down to the kitchen to prepare a meal for you, and then your wife suddenly just started cooking, you know, bacon and ham and eggs and garlic rice, and, you know, you're still half awake, half asleep, and from your bedroom you smell the aroma of the bacon and the garlic rice and the, you know, the ham and the eggs, you know, that is still a temptation. How many of you are getting what I'm trying to say? It's a temptation. It's not yet an actual act. But if it's in your mind, you imagine already that you have a plate filled with garlic rice. You put the egg on top and it's runny. Mala eggs ben. You know, and then you have all this bacon and you took the first bite. In your imagination, guess what? You have already committed breakfast in your heart. <laughs> and you don't have to act on something in order for that to be a sin. When Jesus said, if you look lustfully at a woman, you have already what? Committed adultery or a sin in your heart. If you hate somebody and you call that person Raka or whatever, guess what? You have already committed murder in your heart. You don't have to, you know, uh, do the actual act of You don't have to do that anymore. If in your heart or in your mind you've hated this person and you don't want to forgive, Murder took place already. The mind of a sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So, how do we control the mind? Are we carnal Christians or carnal beings that still give in to the desires of the flesh? Or are we Spirit-controlled beings or Christians that desire to do the will of of the Spirit of God. In another translation, it says, the, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. How many of you would like to be spiritually minded? Raise your hand. Okay, great. I'm encouraged. <laughs> because really, there's just two sides. Either you're carnal or spiritual. And it's sad to say that even if we are born again, there are activities in our minds sometimes that the devil would like to play with. That's why we need to invest in reading the Word. And I'm going to get into that. John Piper said, Sin gets its power by persuading me to believe that I will be more happy if I follow it 
The power of all temptation is the prospect that it will make me happier. Isn't that right? The reason why people are tempted is because, you know, it will make me happy. You know, it's, it's a temptation. You know, it's, uh, it's either you're controlled by the flesh or you're controlled by the spirit. But bottom line is we are controlled by something. For example, this weekend, maybe it's the sale weekend of this mall. And you look around you, wow, there's 70% off and 50% off. And, you know, temptation is going to happen like when you, for example, if you're a woman and you, you want to make yourself happy, yeah, I'm just going to walk into a store and I'm just going to look. I'm not going to buy. I'm just going to look. But when you look, can I try? <laughs> and then you tried. And you looked in front of the mirror. Ay, ang ganda. <laughs> and then you realize you've had the same design in your closet, but yet you justify, I, it's a different color. <laughs> so you... Initially entered, I don't need anything. When you enter the store, you're saying, I don't need anything. I'm just going to try. But yet, when you leave the store, you have five bags (laughs) of shoes that you think will make you happy. And you go home. You didn't have cash there, but you use your credit card. and So that's... You know, you went home and your husband would see you and say, What happened? And that's what I call signs and wonders, right? The wife signs and the husband wonders what happened to the budget that month. Temptation is what makes us happy. You'll never be tempted by anything that will make you scared. You'll never be tempted. You know, when Adam and Eve, when Eve saw the fruit, it was desirable. It was pleasing to the eyes. You know, this is just my theory. Definitely that is not a jackfruit. Ang pangit nun eh. You know, can you imagine seeing a fruit full of, you know, like a porcupine? Don't touch me! You know, it's not that fruit. I'm sure if it's that fruit, maybe, you know, what kind of fruit is attractive, is pleasing to the eye. Maybe it's a chocolate-covered apple or something like that. Or, you know, it's, it's a mint chocolate or something like that. It's, it's attractive. If you don't control your mind, somebody else will. So I say live by the Spirit. Look at the person beside you. Tell that person, live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Don't live by the flesh. We have a choice every day. Live by the Spirit or live by the flesh. For the sinful nature, verse 17, desires what is contrary to the spirit, but the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are at war against each other. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Look at this word, conflict. The Apostle Paul even told this in Romans chapter 7, and he said, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, do be do be do, 
I agree that the law is good. Even the Apostle Paul has some struggle. In other words, if there's a song for this, gusto kong bumait pero di kumagawa. Yeah! There's a desire in our hearts to be good, but we can't do it. There's a struggle. It's all happening in the mind. You, however, are controlled by the sinful nature. Not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you. Just very quickly, we're not going to go through in detail, but the forms of temptation of Christ happen in Luke chapter 4 so that we can just understand the strategy of the enemy. In Luke chapter 4 verse 1, Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. Now, this is Jesus, full of the Spirit, entering into the desert. Who led Him in the desert? The Spirit. And sometimes we wonder why we are in the wilderness. Guess what? Not all wilderness experiences are bad. Because sometimes it's the Spirit of God that leads us there. The Spirit of God was the one who led Jesus in the desert and He was tempted by the devil there for 40 days. Everybody say 40 days. How many of you tried fasting for 40 days? How many of you tried fasting for 5 days? Wasn't that awesome, right? Maybe next year we can try 40 days. No, no, no. Uh, He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them, He was what? Of course, you did not eat for 40 days. Hello? You're going to be hungry. And so the temptation came in. And these are the forms of temptation. Okay? Luke 4, 2 to 4. The enemy said, if you're, I know you're hungry. Turn these stones to become bread. That's lust of the flesh. Everybody say lust of the flesh. There's a temptation about the flesh, about the body, about a physical need. And that's one form of temptation that the enemy lures us into. Lust of the flesh. This thing called the flesh. How many of you have a flesh? A body. It desires the good life, which is many times contrary to what God wants. Okay? You know, if I were Jesus, I would say, what do you mean turn these stones to become... What if I turn you into a stone? You know, I probably would have said that, you know, Good thing I'm not the Lord, okay? (laughs) Lust of the eyes. The devil showed him all the splendor. And he said, these are all mine. And you can have this if you bow down to me. Lust of the eyes. You know, we're all guilty of this. You know, what we see, we want to have. There's an insatiable desire to have. You know, they took a survey from the Discipleship Journal and they said that the number one temptation of man is materialism. What you see on that shelf, you desire to have it. And last is the pride of life. The devil said, it took him to a high place and said, if you are the son of man, go jump from here. Definitely your angels will catch you because the Bible says, and so he quoted the scripture, they will not even let your feet you know, touch a stone, so on and so forth. And we see a pattern here. That was the temptation of Christ. Yet in the garden, the first temptation of man, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and pleasing to the lust of the eyes, 
and desirable for gaining wisdom so that he can be like God. Pride of life. Similar. The enemy's tactic is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Didn't change. Even in 1 John chapter 2, we see the same pattern. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, lust of the flesh, and the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does. Pride of life. Same temptation, same pattern, same form, and same tactic that the enemy uses against us. And it all happens here in the mind. Verse 13, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Guess what? Temptations are temporary. Ever say temporary. The devil will leave you if you say no to it, right? But guess what? There's more. He's just waiting for an opportune time. Lest you be unprepared the next time. But yet Jesus returned to power in, in the Galilee. So how did he counter temptation? I want to end with this. Basically, in the three temptations, we see that Jesus answered three times. It is written. It is written. It says... He said, it is written, man is not live on bread alone. Verse 8, he said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. In verse 12, it says, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. How do we overcome temptation in our minds? Very simple. Do it the same way Jesus did it. We battle through the Word and the Spirit of God. There's no other way. We cannot conquer temptation by our own willpower because most of the time, our will is not strong enough against the attack of the enemy. But Jesus countered temptation through what? Through the Word and the Spirit of God. In Romans chapter 12, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the removal of your mind. No, renewal. Okay? By the renewing of your mind. Okay, I'm just testing you if you're listening, okay? Because many times, we just want our minds to be removed. Guess what? God wants to use your mind. Tell the person beside you, tell that person, God wants to use your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's a conforming or a pattern, or a template that the world wants us to have. You know, the world would say, you know, it's okay, it's normal, everybody's doing it. The world would always say that. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's cheating. Everybody's not paying their taxes. Everybody's beating the red light. Everybody's, you know, cheating in the exam. Everybody's not going to work uh, on time. Everybody's not faithful in their work. Everybody's not faithful with their wife. Everybody's... And we, we believe that lie from the enemy that it's normal, wherein it's not normal. That's the pattern of the world. That's why we need to be transformed. And the Greek word for transform is metamorphosis. Everybody say metamorphosis. It is the same Greek word of a change of being from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Have you ever seen a butterfly? Butterflies are beautiful and nice, right? But check it out. Before they became a butterfly, they were ugly. And that is the state of our minds. 
Our minds many times are like that caterpillar. But we need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We renew our mind by the Word of God. We renew our mind by the washing of the world. We renew our mind by allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our mind. Colossians says that you have to set your minds on the things above and not on earthly things. In, in Philippians, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, do what? Think about such things. We are to think about these things, pure, true, right, lovely, admirable, excellent, not impure, not lustful, not greed, not unforgiving, not bitter, not a doubt, not, you know, we are to set aside those other things of the world in order for us to be able to have the things of God. We demolish arguments. Here's my last scripture. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take what? We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Left alone, on our own, we can't do it. But with the Spirit of God, all things are possible. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. I want to end with this story. In 1950s, there's the, this Olympian runner, an Englishman named Roger Bannister. During that time, nobody could run and break a mile in less than four minutes. People would always run a mile, 1.6 kilometers beyond the four-minute mark. And he said, I want to be able to break that. And they're saying to him, no, you can't do it. But guess what? When he ran, I think in the 1950s, uh, I forgot which uh, Olympics that was, he actually broke the four-minute barrier by running the mile for three minutes and 59 seconds. And he said, for the first time in human history, somebody broke the four-minute mile. And, you know, it was just a great achievement for man at that point. Before that, nobody did it. But guess what? One year after he broke the four-minute mile, about a hundred more runners broke the four-minute mile. Because Roger Bannister paved the way. And he said, it can be done. The world is saying, it cannot be done. But yet, I'm saying, it can be done. Somebody like Roger Bannister also paved the way for us. And his name is Jesus. He went to the cross. He went to temptation. Three times he was tempted in the desert for 40 days. And in all those temptations, he won hands down against the enemy by countering whatever tactic that the enemy has against him by saying, it is written. He countered the enemy with the Word of God. He countered the enemy with the Spirit of God. It can be done. It is possible for us to live a pure and holy life, not by our own willpower, but by the Spirit of God in us. And if Jesus can do it, He even said, greater things will you do. Greater things will you do. Amen. It is possible. 
And I believe that the enemy would just lodge in a lie. No, it's not possible. It's too difficult. It's too hard. You know, it's kill joy. You know, just guess what? If the Spirit of God is in us, I believe that all things are possible in Christ. Amen. Amen. Can, we, can we just give the Lord a hand? My main point, if you want to take home one thought, a mind filled with a word produces a life that overcomes the world. If there's anything that you're struggling with in your mind that is impure and lustful, maybe full of bitterness, maybe full of greed, can we just come before the Lord and let's just take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ and let's ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to transform my mind. Lord, be the one to do a change in me to be able to overcome whatever temptation I'm going through right now. First of all, I repent. I repent for my lustful thoughts. I repent for my greed. I repent for my materialism. I repent for my lust of the eyes. I repent for my pride and arrogance. I repent for my being independent and not acknowledging you as the one who helps me. And Lord, we just come before you right now. Change us, Lord, from inside out. Do a mighty work in us. And we thank you, Lord God, that as you come before your altar today, Lord, be the one to change us and wash our minds so that we can have a mind that is controlled by the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. We hope you were encouraged by that message. Spiritual battles occur in our day-to-day lives. Experience victory over these challenges together with other believers through a regular victory group. To join, simply visit our concierge or our website at www.victoryalabang.org. Thank you and stay connected.